Hello there. Hi. Welcome to the next episode of the Rob Blog Pod Rob Rob Blog Bob Blogcast. That name is never going to get easy to say, or I, I don't know. I've just settled on that's the actual name of the podcast. Um, I'm sure this sounds different. Uh, it's it's different mainly because I'm actually uh, recording this at home. I'm not I'm not in a car somewhere. Um, I've got a minute, and I thought I'd keep going. So. This is a this is the second episode of the Uptown Records story. Um, I've got a few other ideas for topics, some about other games, some about other discussiony things. Um, but figured, while well, I've got a chance, I can get up this document in front of me that I've actually written to, um, you know, to to get the timeline of things correctly. Um, and and go from there. So in the last episode, I basically explained sort of how I discovered Smash and Grandpa, um, their history, how they ended, things like this. Um, basically, how Up Down Records began, Up Down Records started, how I found, you know, how I ended up contacting Mute, and and how Up Down Records began. So I've just said that about three times. Anyway, in this episode, I'm going to tell you a bit more about. Um, the things that have happened after that, basically. Um, so I, I essentially ended with Up Down Records was created. Um, we'd posted all the content and we're starting to get some views. I'm starting to get some views and some downloads. You know, it was it was going okay. The project was essentially over. Um, a couple of months after the project, we had a message from Mute. Um, and he was he was really pleased with how this was going. He was really pleased that, you know, we'd preserved all this work and it was getting some some interest. Um, he said to me, he goes, I'm off to see uh, Tom's wife today. He was like, I just sort of, he goes, I see her quite a lot. She go, she she found a box of his recording stuff. And as I'd sort of mentioned that we were, you know, backing up stuff, um, I thought maybe it would be good, it would be good for us to. Um, have a look through it just in case you know we've we'd come across cds and things of old recordings and tapes sorry i've just had to move place and um he she basically mentioned there may be some some things so he went to go see her and i was sort of on tender hooks i didn't know you know what they were going to find could there be things that we'd literally never heard could there be things that were unreleased could it just be here's some of the official artwork it could be anything you know at this point we'd sort of pieced it all together um so I waited, and about, about uh, I think he was going to see her on a Saturday, and Monday he messaged me, and he goes, sorry about that, you know, he goes, busy weekend, and ended up um, driving back on the Sunday um, for some family business, um, he was like, but I've got some, I've got some stuff, and uh, he just sent me this box, this picture of this box, and he was like, I've sorted through it, he goes, most of it is, you know, what we've got, or like, basically final releases, he goes, but, um, he goes, there's these two, and it's literally two tapes. One tape with this funny symbol on it, which is sort of a circle with a cross and a triangle sort of beside it. And the other one um, was basically, it just said, it just said, um, live Baltimore. Um, he couldn't really remember what the club was called. He couldn't remember any more details about it. But basically, we had there, in two tapes, we had what he remembers as some demo tapes. He doesn't quite remember whether they're before everything or after. And we also have a live recording. 
So, of course, he, as quick as possible, got them sent to me. We spoke about artwork, we spoke about ideas, and we got them basically posted and launched. And, you know, for, for something that had started off as, like, I like this band, I'd like to just preserve their music, to archive it together, this is two tapes that were probably going to be left in someone's garage until they were sent to landfill. Like, obviously his stuff was important, but at some point, maybe, his his wife would pass on you know i'm talking years and years and years and this box of tapes wouldn't be important to anyone would be gone because of this conversation and he then had the conversation about the music and about what we were doing with her and he'd seen her loads of times it's just they'd never talked about that sort of stuff it had just been that happened in the past um and because of that they'd got this box um this box of Really, really early demos. I mean, you can hear it on them. They're really, really early demos that didn't even go into any of the songs. And then the Hello Baltimore, which what we called it, which was um, a couple of tracks long. Um, I'm just finding the details. Sorry about this. It's 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 the um, it's the benefit of having you right here with me. But also, I can find. Yeah, I can find the information right now. Right. Smashing Grandpa. Basically, it it's just this strange situation that had led to these two releases. And I think Hello Baltimore took us ages to get posted. We posted the... Um, the symbol demos quite early on just soon after that but the it took us a, a year or two to get the um live recordings posted not not because of we didn't think they're important but some, i can't really remember what happened basically there was something to sort out or clear um so that's that basically how it moved from then is that i was at university from that point um and for Christmas, while at university, I got given a keyboard because I wanted a MIDI keyboard for for when I did film productions. I wanted to be able to, you know, create um, film schools and things like that. So I had this keyboard. And just after, oh no, 6th of January, um, me and a very good friend of mine, Darren, um, we got together and we started messing around. We just had this keyboard. He's He plays guitar and we were just messing around and singing and We'd we'd basically listening to things like Tenacious D or the up, um, the left rights and things since we were since we were young like we were well into comedy music and messing around and for some reason we just started pissing about and we created this song called Cheese. It was this one minute track of just about cheese and he just played these chords on his, on the keyboard and it was I would I, oh, I would say it's not amazing but for some reason. I managed to improvise as he was playing. Then he managed to change as he was playing as I improvised, if that makes sense. Basically, it worked. It sort of ramps up, but it features a lot of the word cheesy cheese. So because of that, we then ended up recording an album called Viva La Cheese. Um, If we hadn't have had up down records i think if i hadn't have already done the stuff of up down records these songs probably wouldn't have formed themselves as an album in my head if you understand it would have been like that was funny <laughs> some songs but because there was almost this idea of like i created this artwork and stuff 
for Uptown Records. It gave me that push of... Um, there is something we can do with this. And, and, you know, it wasn't the most world-breaking thing, but it was it was funny. So we recorded it. I, I made some artwork, Viva the Cheese, and we were sort of deciding on a name. We decided on the chatting Miss Prince as in, like, you know, you're... Um, you know, genetic, as in like your genetic footprint, but like it's misprinted essentially. Um, and we, so I sent it to, to me and I said, Look, I was like, you can say no, you can say this isn't the way you want the blog to go or whatever, but we've created this and it's funny. Like, um, you, I mean, it's it's got a whole mix of different tracks and different styles. It's improvised, it's, but like it is DIY and it's kind of like not really that super you know it's not really offensive it's just it's just funny and he messaged me back and he was like oh have a listen I'll check it out he was really excited and he was like do you know what he was like you post it he was like you know he goes you've done enough for me you've done enough for Smashing Grandpa if you want to share it on this blog that does get like a couple of thousand hits every every month or so then just post it just get some people listening like I'm not saying, hey, I did this to start this band and do this, this was my plan. It was literally a spur of the moment. So we recorded Viva La Cheese and we launched it. Um, we then... Basically, we then jumped into um, just recording. Like, we were in recording mode. It was like almost because we got it and we'd shared it. And I'd shared it on a couple of, like, um, downloading sites you know, through the whole, I can't remember what it was called, Chew Dog or something, it was the, the site I shared it. Because I thought, you know, people do download everything and anything. And at this point, there were things like shitty Nintendo Core, Crunk Core, Rap and stuff like that. And it was like people were sharing their own releases in the middle. So we got recording. So we recorded Gorilla Warfare, 15 more shitty songs by us. And that was in the next couple of days. And we just we just basically, basically kept recording in the next couple of weeks while I was still home. Um, I had I had some uni work to do, but we recorded, you know, the value pack, which is an EP of versions from che- for, of of cheese, including one that had an acoustic guitar on it. These sort of went up and down in quality. Um, it sort of got to the point of like we 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 got excited for recording, but whether we should have been or not, who, who really knows? Um, but basically, we were we were. Proud of some of the stuff. Um, and basically, essentially, every time I was back, we would... Every time I was back, we would record. Because we'd record and we'd get, like, 30, 20, 20, 30 songs. And it just went on and on and on. Um, and really, someone should have told us to stop at some point. Because we ended up recording an album called uh, The Picotech Appreciation Society. Which is pretty much the worst thing we ever did. Um... And I really shouldn't bring it up, but I I should because I remember me and Darren recording it. And the amount of times when basically we were doing this improvised thing, we'd record something and then we'd look at each other and go, oh my God, that was good or that was funny. And we'd we'd look forward to listening to it back. This was one of those things where in recording this album took like a day. And like we could, we, we had recorded some other stuff in like an hour and a half, two hours because we kept deleting it or we kept going back or we kept we're like we'd finish it and then we'd be like i'm really really not sure about this or it wouldn't work or um but it was kind of important um because 
it led us on to, in April, we recorded the Move album. Now, the Move album, um, basically, one day Darren turned up and I was like, why don't we record it all from acoustic guitar? Because you can change what you're doing and I can improvise along with you. So, basically, we did. Um, we recorded this album. Um, we, he, the way we did it then was he recorded the acoustic guitar first and I sang over top. It's got some classics, what I would say classics, things like uh, Bargain Bucket, things like Hydrophobic Satan, which was, Hydrophobic Satan was a completely 100% improvised. There was no idea of what this song was going to be. It was everything and anything. But for some reason this clicked it was almost like we decided in our head like if we want there's no point doing it unless we're going to do it right you know it's like we need to really think about what we're doing because i was very aware that i can't just keep filling up down records up with shit janet misprint stuff so i sort of said to darren about it and um and and this had happened um and we basically kept recording from them because that spurred us on again. That gave us another complete, you know, spur on. And it was like, then we can do versions of these songs. So then we did another version of Andrew. Then we did a B-size album to that one, which was stuff recorded at a similar time, which was Genetis Strugfeller. Um, then we went to, you know, then Marmalade Hosen. And it was one of those things where we got back up our prolific recording nature because we got back into the groove. We knew what we were doing. And we knew with this acoustic guitar thing it was better um i also put together a um sort of a best of a bad bunch so it was basically like the best of our songs that we're not saying they're really any good but it was like you know a 20 track list so that if these releases come too freaking fast you you can't keep up with them um we then recorded uh marmalade hosen which we essentially decided to go back and to do things like the mauve album um with acoustic guitars, but then we also had some of the keyboards, some of the complete randomness of like Viva La Cheese, which was, it was essentially like the mix of like the really old Viva La Cheese and the newer mobile stuff that like what we were doing, what was keeping us going forward. And it was an experiment and it kind of paid off, kind of did. Um, we then moved on to Now in 3D. Now, when Now in 3D happened, is when sort of life got busy. Um, we recorded it. It was completely acoustic again. It was such a good album. You know, we saw what we recorded in a couple of days, actually. But but not because of issues, just because we really wanted to get it right. And it's about 20 songs long. And um, I basically recorded this in July. And um, it was a July um, of the holidays of my first year at university. And that, that year at uni... Um, in that in that holiday, I actually went on holiday to climb Ben Nevis, and while climbing it, I was listening to Now in 3D, which was funny. But basically, um, we've we've been taking a, a couple of months. We took a couple of months off. Um, at that point, we we'd been busy in the studio, but essentially the line was: we're working on a few releases, and we're going to tide fans over. So it's things like we're going to have a, a follow-up to the value pack. We're going to have instrumental thing. We're going to have an XV, which will be our latest studio album. Um, and basically, at the end of September, we we took a break. Um, we'd insured, I'd insured Mute, I'd insured 
people that this was not permanent. But basically, we're just pursuing projects outside of music. Um, you know, I was I was working at uni. Darren was working. Um, we produced nineteen albums in the space of a year, so it's it's fun. But but it had reached the point when we were recording now in three D that it was getting a bit stale. And it was just it was just getting difficult. Like we'd send each other lists, and we'd we'd send each other lists and of tracks, and we'd sort of come together. Like all the time, there'd be these new ideas. But then when we get to record, some of them wouldn't work, some of them would work, and it was getting harder. Like our list had come down to keep the quality up. We we thought it was probably best, and it was getting harder and harder to find time between us to record. Now. At this same time, um, I had a message from a guy called D-Pad. Um, this guy was sort of a nerd, nerdcore rapper. Um, he basically came to us, sent me some music. Um, really, really good. He said, oh, this is just early demos. He goes, I'm going to get back in the studio. I'm going to record. Um he goes, you know, I'm going to get back to the studio. I'm going to record. I'm going to be. I'm determined. I want to make this as good as possible for you. So, I said, okay, that's fine. A couple of months later, he messaged me. He goes, sorry, sorry for the delay. He goes, can we chat about like what you know, promote myself and stuff? I was like, yeah, that's great. So we we developed this image. We sort of gave him the name D-Pad. We gave him like this mask and these graphics. And I'm at this point, I was really confident that sort of we. We basically had him. I'd heard his music. It was good. It was just waiting for that actual music. Um, and then I didn't really hear anything. And I sort of made... Before before I didn't hear anything, I'd sort of published it on Uptown Records blog. I sort of said, hey, we've got another person coming in. And I vouched for his quality. And Mute had listened to it and said, it's good. Um, and I didn't hear from him. And I'd sort of messaged him ever so often. But I didn't really want to bother him. Because, you know, it's not money. It's not... Um, it's not... It's sort of like you're giving someone a commitment and time, but you're not getting any money back from it. And although I completely understood the methodology of that, you didn't expect people, people might be in different situations, so they can't put effort on it. Um, basically, about six months later from sharing it, he contacted us and said that his partner had um, developed cancer and that he'd... Basically, he, he sort of didn't need music anymore. Like, he'd... he'd got too much time at work and he didn't need that escape he needed to be present for her and at some point in the future he might you know at some point in the future he might come back but basically he didn't um at the same time i was sent to again um i think it was through him he sent me a link to one of his friends he went to uni with a guy called citizen 850 and this music blew me away really like he it was something really dark it was sort of i mean i've described it as like hard clash like noise essentially but um this guy had been prolific in sort of 2007 2008 he's released um released on his own independent record label and um, you know, sort of sold out tour, but he'd basically not taken any money, and um, only for this tour. So, um, so 
sorry about this. I'm just trying to make sure I get the information right. So D-Pad thought he'd be a good fit for us. So I was speaking to him, and he'd already had one release, which is Un Vasta Historia de la Violencia, and A Vast History of Violence. Um, and basically sent it over, and, and this was... It sort of worked out perfect, because just as I was getting to the point where I was like, ah... Uh, you know, I've sort of shared that we're going to be this record label for promoting other artists. And then my first artist has basically just dropped out on me. Um, so I I took the time and I, I listened to it and spoke to him and spoke about how we were going to promote him and, and made the jump. Um, at the same time, me and Darren had been thinking in this gap. And I sort of, for my filming work... Um, at university and also outside of university, I'd really want to produce. I'd thought about like a a, a TV show or, or or a series, and like, I'm a massive fan of things like Viva La Bam and stuff. And I thought to myself, oh, obviously the budget, but wouldn't it be cool if we filmed something and we like went to a place? We're like, right, we're gonna get, we're gonna pick from a random selection of topics. We're gonna immerse ourselves in that topic, and then we're gonna make a song about that topic to end the episode. And obviously, that's a big budget thing. It didn't really happen. What happened is, is we sort of went around a few places in Sirencester where we grew up, and we filmed a little series, um, which went then went on YouTube. But coming off the back of that, I then spoke to Citizen, who then who was like, "I'd really love to do something like this, like this mockumentary style." So that's when Hunting Citizen was born, and it's essentially, I mean, you can search for it on on YouTube. It's Hunting Citizen. Um, it's a mockumentary about me. Um, basically I've been contacted to produce artwork for him, which I had, obviously, but I was speaking to him. But it was, I was trying to investigate him to find out information for this artwork. But every time I looked online, it would go to different mysterious places and it ended up with me basically getting kidnapped. And this was all to just um, interview the citizen or get some comments. And it was more like, the more mysterious and dangerous we made him seem. Um... And I think, I think it worked really well. I think it was a good asset to us back then, really early on, to like it. I could use graphic design and videos to enhance the music. And I think over time it really worked in our favour because a few of the artists I had that approached us, you know, way after 2010, were um, way way after 2010. They were coming to us because they needed artwork, because they needed help promoting themselves. They had, like, I've got this music, but I don't know what I'm doing with it. Um, I'm just trying to think. So that's, basically, that's all what happened in that same period of time. Now, this is when, I, I was thinking about splitting this off, but I think I'm going to keep this in. This is when, unbeknownst to me, Mute had basically gone and recorded an album. I didn't know this. He had himself put together a group of two more musicians with him and recorded an album. It was a a complete shock to me. One day we were chatting about Citizen and stuff like this and then literally the next day he just sent me a link to a zip zip file called Retrocalypse Now. Sorry, it's hard to say. Retrocalypse now. He'd sent me a link and he was like, I need some artwork. And I was used to him kind of sending me things like this or thinking, you know, I thought, oh, maybe he's found another artist. But no, it was him. He'd he'd 
off the back of me contacting him and finding Smashing Grandpa and all this, he'd then gone and off his own back recorded an album. And it's darker and more modern sounding than Smashing Grandpa, but my God, to think that from from nothing to something... Um, I'm sure there's more stories about that, but I've got to try to, you know, got to try to remember what they are. Um, so then, at this point, at this point, we had a few artists, and I was like, okay, let's do like a, let's do like a promotional demo. Because um, you know, smashing ground. Um, Janae Miss Prince were in the downtime, and as the downtime happened, I had Citizen, I had Mute coming back, um, and so I. I jumped into it. I was like, okay, we'll do a promotional 2010 demo. We've got something from Citizen, something from Genetic Misprints. We've got a Citizen um, doing a remix of Genetic Misprints, which he decided to, you know. Um, we've got Mute and the Unspoken. We've got Smashing Grandpa on there. And it's like, including a brand new track from Mute that wasn't even on the album. I'm, like, at this point, it was like, we called it a record label like, in itself, to give Smashing Grandpa Music credit. But itself, it's actually becoming something. Like, this is our roster of bands. Um, we did things like... I got to use a Smashing Grandpa song for... Uh, I, I found some genetic misprint songs that I hadn't released. And basically, in a bit of downtime, I asked Darren for permission. I used a Smashing Grandpa song... And sang over it and made it a genetic misprint song called I Bet the Bet 80s Were Really Awesome. Um, taking the old and the new. And, and basically, it's it sort of how how it continued in that downtime. Um, then 2011 came. And I'm, I'm not really sure exactly what happened, but basically, me and Darren just had a chance to record. We we decided that we're gonna we're gonna get back in the studio and we're gonna record and it's gonna be like another two three albums and even if that's that's that for then we're gonna do it. So we come back and we announce the Cast Party trilogy. Um, the Cast Party trilogy was the idea was for the Cast Party trilogy that we are going to basically um, we're basically gonna you know play these characters we've been playing. We're going to make our good old songs, but we're going to refer back to characters we've mentioned, or we're going to title them off of these characters. We're going to really jump in with both feet into the world of genetic misprints. Sort of, it's all, I think in my head I'd come up with an idea that there was some sort of lore about... Um, there was some lore about the things that were happening. Essentially, if you, if you understand, like the world of genetic misprints, we created these people like Alan Fromtrebridge, and um, sorry about this, I'm just finding our other blog. Our other blog, um, and so we sort of jumped in there with both feet, and I'm really pleased we did because it was good to be back. I think it, it was in the space of like a couple of months we'd recorded these three albums, and it was really. It was just, it was just really good. It was really good to be back. Really good to be sharing again. You know, I think me and Darren had really missed this production. We'd really missed being ourselves in front of a microphone, saying shit. And if it was rubbish, if it was good, we were ripping it apart at that point. This was also the first time where we sort of did a recording of multiple things in one, and then I got the honour, which is one of my favourite parts of basically sitting down with like forty tracks and going, 
what am I doing with this? Like, how many releases is this? What? You know, if you understand, like, 40 tracks, am I going, is this, like, one album that's 40 songs long? Is this three? Is this six? Is this two, you know? Um, And then doing the artwork based on that. Um, While this was going on, Citizen was back in the studio because at this point we'd only been releasing his stuff from before he'd come to us. He'd He'd been in the studio. So he had recorded Parallelabon, his debut record on Updown Records. And he said, he was he basically sent it to me and was like, I need some artwork and some branding. And he did. I mean, he'd taken everything that he'd done before and he'd condensed it and he'd... He'd condensed it and he'd intensified it to a whole new level. You know, his essentially his debut album... Um, and while this was happening, it sounds weird, I've just said that about three times. While this was happening, me and Darren started recording. So we'd recorded a couple of songs um, with this voice, which was supposed to be a parody of typical shitty indie bands. So we'd recorded a couple of songs, and one day, I think we, we'd reached this point, it was just after we'd had um, the Cast Party trilogy. So we'd had Genetic Misprints, we'd had Sheffield for the Win, Bacon Makes Everything. No, Sheffield for the Win. Tom the Pimping Teddy Bear and Mulletproof. We'd had those three. And in the gap after that, we knew we wanted to do some more recording. But we recorded three albums from this band, The Trevors. We recorded A Life of Indy, It Won't Suck Itself and Tales of Nan. Basically complete parodies of, you know. And some of those are are good, they're really good stuff. Um, we then got back and recorded Dinosaurs and Baker Makes Everything Better and then tied it all off with a, a Best of the Bad Bunch Volume 3. Um, this was essentially it. Um, this was around 2012. So 2011, we'd come back for the Cast Party Trilogy. 2012 was really when Parallelobarm, The Trevors, um, and then we basically ended up recording... Um, Baker makes everything better. God hates penguins, dinosaurs, and, and heir to the throne. We'd recorded all of those, um, and we'd sort of recorded all those over over space for a couple of weeks and planned to basically spread out the releases. I now had enough stuff with Citizen, with the Trevors there too, with Mute doing. Um, he did the XX EP. Um, with Save Games Not Lives and things. I basically had enough stuff to spread it out. So we had released sort of every month for the next future. Um, including things like um, we did a Up Down Records sampler. So so yeah, that's basically it. That's basically it from early 2010 until 20, 2012, 2013. Um, I know I've gone through it quite quickly. Um, basically, if you go on to blog UDR tumblr.com blog udr.tumblr.com you can look at the full catalogue basically and you can trace this story you can trace the releases and what appears and there's a few updates on there that um sort of tell the story of the moment um and obviously you can see spoilers into the future but but essentially in the space of two years like we as Genetic Misprints had recorded like we'd recorded like nineteen releases in a year. In the space of two years, we'd we'd got up to sort of I don't know twenty five 
30 individual releases. Um, but we'd had enough gaps between them. But things like Citizen coming in and being this third thing that's like, we're pretty much never going to have any more Smashing Grandpa stuff. Mute is recording, luckily, but I know that it's like... It might have been a one-off recording. It might have been a one-off, like, yes, I want to do that, as opposed to, like, um, him saying, oh, I'm back now, I'm going to keep releasing. You know, he couldn't release stuff as quick as we could because it took it took longer. He didn't have to just improvise it. Um, but it was stuff like this that made it really feel like a recording label. And um, Weirdly, if it hadn't been for D-Pad, contacting us wouldn't have spurred that on. But then even then, because Citizen contacted us, and he was so into this, like, music for free, music for the love, love for the music. He was so into not making money, he was just into experimenting and pushing and honing his craft, that it worked so well. So, I'm going to leave it there, because the next... The next chapter gets nutter butters. Um, we do so many things that we never, I never could have dreamt that we would do. Go directions I never thought we would go. And um, believe me, it continues. You think at this point we're at 2013 and I've got a story to tell you all the way right up until now. Talking into the future. Um... Yeah, if you want to check us out, that's uh, blogudr.tumblr.com. Obviously, give it a listen, give it a download. If you're interested in the stuff I've mentioned so far, we've got Trevor's, who are we've got Trevor's, who are a parody um, indie band. Smashing Grandpa, obviously, Chip Tune, Mutant the Unspoken, which is Chip Tune, but slightly more modern, a bit darker. We've got Citizen Eight Fifty, which is hard clash, like noise core music, just really fucking heavy. And Genetic Misprints, obviously, which is the uh, completely improvised acoustic i mean if you're gonna listen to them you know really get on like parallel bomb from citizen move album um i mean there's loads of stuff in the future i'll keep recommending it but basically yeah thanks for listening and thanks for giving me a time to just explain a little bit more about this kind of strange period of my life i spent a lot of time working on stuff like this and um thinking about it and to to transform from we are literally backing up this music, trying to preserve it, to we're producing new music, to we've now got another artist producing with us, to Mute has gone and off his own back recorded another album that he never dreamt he would ever record. So, yeah, thank you very much. Next next week, I'm sure there'll be a completely different topic. But, um, yeah, this has been this episode of the Rob Blog 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 Broadcast. Um, thank you very much. Happy, 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 happy,